it's time for Cats Talk Wednesday. Small town and big city joined forces. Vinny Hardy of Lynch, Kentucky, and Terry Brown of Louisville, Kentucky, team up to give you free-flowing, laid-back sports talk. Focus on Kentucky Wildcats, as well as pertinent information in the NBA, NFL, and Major League Baseball. What is going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Cats Talk Wednesday. My name is Vinny Hardy. Flying solo this evening. Uh, the homie TB is a little bit injured, a little bit under the weather. Um, if y'all saw his tweet um, a few days ago, you, you saw his elbow, you saw his wrist, you saw his hand all swollen up. And at the time, I was about to make a, a little joke with him. He was on round of shots on Sunday. He's like a every week panelist with Kevin Hale, you know, where they got a lot of guests or a few guests. He's on there every Sunday, and he, you know, he had his fist up there, and his fist is all swollen up, but that got some bursitis and an infection. And you know, where I'm from in Eastern Kentucky, you know, it, it looked like a wasper stung him in the wrist. You know, people had that wasp stinging him, and you get that swelling and everything. It's the way it looked, but. You know, it's not joking anymore because he's having some persistent problems with that. So he's getting himself taken care of, getting himself right. So hope to have TB back next week. Got a friend of the show backstage. As y'all know we come to y'all courtesy of the BS3 Network. Appreciate Ben Sutterth and Ivan Dawkins and the whole umbrella of podcasts that they have under the BS3 Network continuing to grow. We're glad to be part of it. Backstage, a friend of the show. Chopped it up with this man, went to the crib with him and broke bread. Been a minute since he's been on here with us. He ran the route tree for the North Carolina State Wolfpack and the Baylor Bears. So no better time now than to get a little uh, Devin Leary insight, a little DSK insight, because they played for his Wolfpack and they're about to take on Ball State for Kentucky Saturday. Talking about none other than our guy, David Davis. He is kind of like kind of like a brother-in-law because, you know, Jackie, Steph Curry's aunt, Dale Curry's sister, is the big sister I never had. So he's kind of like a big brother-in-law that I never had. Let's bring him on in here. David Davis, what's going on, man? Man, what's going on? If he was my agent back in the day, I'd still be playing. <laughs> I'm trying to, man. <laughs> trying to go to the table. <laughs> Go to the table and take oh. it to the owners, man. How you doing? I'm good. How you doing, man? I can't complain, man. Can't uh, complain. Don't do it. Don't do it. Should have had you on here a long time ago, way before now. Had you on a couple times, and it's been a minute, man. Glad to have you back. Good to be back, man. Good to be back to chop it up with you. Absolutely, man. Have the wait is almost over. You know, the, the summertime were you were you kind of itching to, to see some fall sports happen? We, we got baseball and golf, and if you like NASCAR, and that's about it. So you glad mm-hmm. to see stuff start to happen again in the fall? Yeah, big time, man. I, I, I'm a uh, avid fan of all sports. Don't get me wrong. I'm a NASCAR guy. Uh, I'm a tennis guy, of course. I'm a base. Baseball is actually my first love, to be honest with you, uh, as a player and as a uh, spectator but thank goodness for football <laughs> thank goodness for football absolutely so your Wolfpack kick it off your Baylor Bears kick it off of course you played for for both of them mm-hmm. and uh 
I'm not going to talk too much trash, but when, when Kentucky and North Carolina State met in the bowl game, I'm, I'm just saying we, yeah, we, we got y'all a couple years ago. So yeah, was, you know that was yeah, you know, yeah. But, I'm gonna blame it on bad refereeing. Uh, <laughs> you, you you did get us though. You did get us. <laughs> but but Devin Lee was on the squad, you know, mm-hmm. from New Jersey. You know, mm-hmm. uh, had a few injury concerns, but when he was out there, you know, 35 touchdowns and five interceptions, and that's that's seven to one touchdown to pick ratio, no matter what league you're playing in. Yep. So you saw him more closer than us. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's your alma mater. Mm-hmm. Tell us what we're getting. What can we, you know, kind of expect with the young fella coming to Lexington this this season? Yeah, I, I seen Devin play a lot, man. Uh, actually, I had a nephew who graduated, played linebacker at Clemson, uh, Trenton Simpson, who's now with the Baltimore Ravens. He, mm-hmm. he, he made the team there. Um, he's a rookie this year. But those games, uh, I got to see Devin play uh, a lot uh, as a Wolfpack. And I'm going to tell you, Kentucky's getting a, a mentally tough quarterback. I know your quarterback last year was a very tough guy. Don't get me wrong. But I, I can honestly say Devin had good protection in NC State, but he was a mentally tough dude, not only smart, but mentally tough. Um, and like you said, the guy, anybody who throws for 35 touchdowns on any level knows what they're doing, um, so to speak. Um, but he is a good – he's a thinker of the game. He reads coverages very, very well. Um, and it's especially with the big receivers, you know, he's the type of quarterback – like myself, I used to like him. If they just put it up in the air, I know I'm going to go get it. It's mine. There's no such thing as a 50-50 ball. You know, it's it's 80-20, mine, you know. Mm-hmm. So Devin's the type. He knows the receivers like that. If it's a big guy, he's going to put it in the area. But if there's a smaller guy, he's more precise with his throws. Um, but Kentucky's getting a, like I said, a mentally tough and gifted quarterback. There's no reason, uh, you know, he shouldn't be uh, – top five quarterback coming out of college this year uh, uh, for, for the NFL draft in the coming year. No reason why he shouldn't be top five behind some pretty good quarterbacks. And I could literally see Devin having the type of game uh, Saturday like Hartman did at Notre Dame. You know, coming from Wake Forest, new system, everything. Hartman's a very tough-minded, smart guy and a good quarterback. But I see Devin Leary – probably doing the exact same thing Hartman did for Notre Dame. I was going to do for Notre Dame. Because we've been hearing a few few interviews out of practice, you know, from defensive guys, and, and they're like, I mean, we're all over dudes, and he's, he just puts it right out of reach. Or he's, like you said, that that accuracy, mm-hmm. um, the article about him in Athletic, he's talking about if you, you aim small, you miss small. So if, if he's aiming for his receiver instead of just, Throwing for the whole body, he's like trying to hit him right on his elbow, where you know, just tight, precise yeah. kind of dude, man. Yeah, and he's a type of quarterback too. I mean, he's not going to tell his receivers, but if I throw, if you don't catch it, it ain't my fault. You know, he's going to put it to where you can catch it. He's that type of quarterback. But uh, I, I was more impressed uh, with the way he handled the Clemsons of the world. You know, he mm-hmm. beat up on Clemson. Uh, I don't know three or four, three of the four years or something like that. I'm not for sure. But he he's that type of quarterback who gets the job done in big games, too. But having said that, Vinny, we know that the ACC is not the SEC. Mm-hmm. He's going to be coming against going up against every Saturday against uh, great defenses, uh, athletic guys. Uh, he, he's, he's probably had, you know, maybe two games a year like that uh, in the ACC a year. 
but he has to be prepared mentally and physically um, to, to do it 10, 11, 12 times a year. And that's going to be the difference for him. Um, but as you know, a quarterback sometimes only goes as offensive line goes. And hopefully the scheme that the offensive co- coordinators put him in can uh, assist him in being successful also. Yeah, that was uh, an Achilles heel last year. Wasn't what Kentucky had been used to the past few years at O-line, and it, it just never got right. And, you know, that's, they got some depth, some guys in the portal, and, and that's really a priority is keeping – Larry upright, trying to trying to protect this guy, uh, but you know, kind of got that ability from what you're saying to just really pick defenses apart. Just no matter, kind of be a step ahead type guy, no matter what you throw at him. Yeah, he's a true pocket passer for sure, but he's able to, you know, he's the type of quarterback that can read a defense and know if it's man to man, everybody's gone. He'll tuck it and take off. Uh, you know, he's that type of read type guy. Um, been very extremely impressed with him, but uh, like I said, now he has to turn it up a bit every week. You know, mm-hmm. uh, there are no more Georgia Techs of the world. Uh, you know, things like that. He, he's he, it's going to be a Georgia, but it doesn't have Tech at the name. <laughs> yeah. uh, so he has to be prepared. And I think he's a mentally tough guy enough to to get the job done. And what about uh, DSK, the running back, Demi Sumo? Carmbay, I'm glad I'm not Tom Leach that has to pronounce that Saturday. But what about what are what is Kentucky getting with him coming from Raleigh as well? Well, I I think he only played in like eight games for the pack, but he's a big guy to be honest with you. I think he's about six foot, you know, and that's nowadays that's pretty big for a back mm-hmm. uh, on the college level. Um, I think he averaged maybe about five yards a carry somewhere around in there, so he's going to get you yards, but he did, just didn't have enough carries to get in a good rhythm. Um, you know, but the eight games he did play in played very well, but NC state a lot of times turned into that passing offense and, you know, kind of overshadowed the backs, but, uh, the carries that he got, uh, he's a tough runner, uh, kind of shifty. He's got some good hips. He, he, he'll get through a hole by wiggling his hips, hips, but he's also able to lower the pads and get you that extra yard. So, man, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Kentucky's going to get two guys that will, um, not knowing what they Kentucky's had before, but from a mental toughness standpoint, um, and physically going that extra yard, they're, they're getting two pretty good guys, man. Mm-hmm. We're excited to have them. Um, like I said the offensive line is trying to get back to where it was, and you mentioned you know Levis being a big, tough, physical guy, mm-hmm. and primarily all he had was one Dale Robinson who's with the Giants, and that was everybody knew, and he was option one, one A. <laughs> Probably one B in the passing game. Yeah. So Leary's got got some more weapons around him, kind of like kind of like the basketball team where everybody you know five guys in double figures, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you mentioned big receiver Dane Key is is six mm-hmm. four right there in Lexington. You know, wow. kind of like you, a throw mm-hmm. it up kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you know the tight ends are deep. They they could use a little more depth at wide receiver, but mm-hmm. Liam Cohen coming back from the Rams might kind of use the tight ends to kind of offset maybe what mm-hmm. you're missing with yep. the receivers because, you know, the tight end coach talking about, you know, 14 personnel and all that. That's, <laughs> so they got some tight ends in there, man. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'll tell you one thing uh, Leary did well, I think, was uh, utilize his check downs a lot. You know, mm-hmm. I'm in the pocket and that, that, that uh, pocket timer is going off in your head as a quarterback. You know, he gets rid of the ball. He, he's not afraid to hold on to it too long. 
hoping something happens downfield. Nothing's happening. Man, let that back get you some yards. Let that tight end, you know, curl it up at eight yards, and that's eight yards you didn't have. Yeah. Um, so he's very he uses checkdowns very, very well also. And also the back can catch the ball coming out the backfield too uh, from mm-hmm. NC State. So, he, he, you know, and they have a familiarity with each other that, uh, you know, as a coach, you have to notice that and know what you're getting and hopefully rely on them to feed off each other uh, a lot of times in the offense. So it'll be very interesting. But, uh, you know, University of Kentucky is, you know, from an offense, a football standpoint, is making great strides. It's a process, man. You don't just crawl out of bed and win an SEC championship in football. Uh, uh, it's a process. And I think Coach has done a great job of uh, getting guys in there that he wants and knows the offensive schemes and coaches that will stick around for a while. And he he, start, he he competed, but then again, you always want to win it. Uh, so I think you, you got to trust his process because it's not one of those things in SSC where you just – wake up one morning and, and win a football to the championship. So Absolutely. hopefully the fans will stick with them also. Absolutely. Now, your Wolfpack, we're kicking it off tomorrow at Connecticut, right? Yep. Am I looking at yep. it right? So yep. what, what are you expecting from them this season? You know, we've got Connecticut, then Notre Dame, VMI, uh, then Virginia, your first conference. Yeah, it almost sounds like NC State has a University of Georgia uh, schedule. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I can. Can I say that on here? I, don't know. I, I mean, Georgia's Georgia's schedule is light. Yeah, it's a little light, light this year, man. Yeah, I get it. But uh, yeah, NC State schedule, uh, non-conference there. Um, I, I think Coach Doran does a great job of rebuilding. To be honest with you, he's a uh, he's a very he's a people's coach. He's a players coach. He, he's he's one of those coaches that you want to play for. Like when I was at NC State, I played for Monty Kiffin. You know, Pete Carroll actually signed me at NC State, believe it or not. Yeah, he was the Western North Carolina recruiter. You know, back then, coaches had territories that they recruited. Mm -hmm. And Pete Carroll and Greg Robinson, who was actually a head coach at uh, Syracuse for a while and at UCLA, those two guys were were my recruiters. And Pete signed me. And um, him, man, Coach Kiffin, uh, they they were guys that you wanted to play for. I mean, they brought excitement to the table. Um, they were very energetic. Uh, it wasn't a, 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 it wasn't an autocracy. They want to hear from you what's going on out there. It wasn't you know dictatorship by any means when it comes to the players. And I, Coach Doran now at NC State, like Coach O'Kane and Coach Shea did back in the day, O'Shea did back in the day. They they were players, coaches that players wanted to play for. So Coach Doran's doing a great job of rebuilding. Um, he he's a good recruiter. I will tell you that. And he tells those kids now, you know, we're, we're here to build our program. You know, we're here to, to take down the Clemsons of the world and win an ACC championship. Um, you know, being in the same division is tough sometimes when you're with the Clemson, but he, he's he's on the right path. And this year it may be the year that they do it and win their divisional championship to play an ACC championship game. Man, two two characters, two legends. I mean, Monty Kiffin and Pete Carroll. So you, you got a couple of stories for each of them, man. <laughs> well, man. Uh, yeah. Coach Kiffin, it's true. If you read, look up, you know, Google him, he rode into practice one day as a long ranger on a horse and dressed like the uh, long <laughs> ranger. Uh, there was one day we were on the field uh, getting ready to start practice out, warming up. He comes down um, the, the, the trail onto the practice fields, gathered everybody in, talked about some stuff, and then he said, you know what, guys? It's hot out here. Let's hit the pool. 
So <laughs> we all got to go to the PE pool, Carmichael, uh, there on campus. And Coach Carroll's story came out about Snoop Dogg, Will Ferrell, and, and some other body talking junk about Pete making his defense look bad. You know, it's kind of a, a, a skit. But Coach Carroll, 70-something years old, out throwing passes to, D, to, to wide receivers in practice. And as a 30-year-old, it's exactly what he did with us. He would test his defensive backs as the quarterback. Sometimes he would run scout team quarterback just to, you know, get a feel for what his DBs are doing. So what you see as a 70-something-year-old Pete Carroll, Coach Carroll, is what he was doing as a 29, 30-year-old uh, when he was at NC State. But um, it, it was a wonderful time. And, uh, you know, Coach Kiffin didn't get a fair shake. That whole staff didn't because Coach Kiffin was signed at NC State under a three-year contract. But the president hired him. The AD was sick that week, and they really needed to get a hire in. So the president hired Coach Kiffin and his staff. Coach Kiffin's first year, he was four and seven. The next year, he was five and six. And then my freshman year, we were six and five. So making mm -hmm. progress. Mm -hmm. But we, that year, my freshman year, we played Miami at Miami. And Jim Kelly was the quarterback. Uh, Boomer was at Maryland. Uh, we played Penn State up at Penn State. That's the year they won the national championship. So our schedule, you know, was tough and uh, finished six and five. And we were predicted to go at least eight and three the next year. So uh, I had started all 12 games as a freshman and made all ACC freshman team. And then that spring, Coach Kiffin got fired and a new coach came in, a guy named Tom Reed from University of Michigan. He was an assistant under Bo Schembechler. And he just wasn't a good guy to play with. Um, and like nine or 10 of us transferred that year. Um, and so I went to junior college one year cause I didn't want to sit out out in Taft, California. We won a national championship out there. Mm. And, um, my, went on my five visits and I narrowed it down to Baylor and uh, Miami university of Miami took my visits and, you know, I, I made a verbal commitment to Miami after my visit and, and no, it took me two weeks to get over my visit. Because Michael Irwin was my host. Uh, yeah, I'm a mountain boy from Spindale, North Carolina. Good Lord. It took me two weeks to get over that visit. So me and Mike had a great time, met all the players. But um, Bernie, Bernie Kozar was a quarterback, and he actually graduated as a junior. And he was the number one pick, so he, you know, he went pro. But Coach Johnson never mentioned the backup quarterback. So I was like, well, Dad, I don't know who's backup going to be. I'm, I'm, Bay was my next choice. You know, Cody Carlson. Uh, yeah, defense, Thomas Everett, Ray right. Crockett, Robert Blackman. We had like eight guys go pro that year, my senior year. And, um, of course, the next year, history write, writes itself, and Miami won the national championship. Uh, but I never, ever regretted, you know, going to Baylor uh, uh, with the good people. Good Southern Baptist School. Southwest Conference back then was loaded. Mm -hmm. uh, Non-conference, we played Georgia, Southern Cal, beat them. Well, Georgia beat us between the hedges. They really cheated. You look at the game film. They oh, there was one of the situations where they put time back on the clock so they didn't kick Ooh. a field goal, dude. Mm. Um, but we beat Southern Cal in the Coliseum. They were ranked number three in the nation that year, uh, second game of the season. And uh we we beat them out there. But Baylor was a wonderful experience. And uh, I'll share one story at Baylor with Coach Taft every week. The game every week, the game that we were going to play, he equated it to a story in the Bible. So, of course, the Southern Cal week was David and the David story. So, David and Goliath, right? We weren't ranked, very good team, but weren't ranked. We beat Wyoming first and then had to play Southern Cal. 
So every week, you know, we heard at the end of practice a story about how Dave would prepare. So we go out to the Coliseum and we're up, um, we're up, I think, 10-7 at halftime or 14-10 or something. And we go in the locker room, get our, you know, individual um, uh, position meetings, and then we meet back up. And Coach Taft said, guys, he smiled, had a smile on his face. He's like, man, we're doing exactly what David did. As coaches all week, we pick certain plays to run against Southern Cal like David picked certain stones. Mm, you know? okay. But here's the thing. We knocked the, David knocked the giant down, but he wasn't finished. And we all got quiet in the room, and then he said, David chopped the head off. Let's go chop the head off. Oh, man. That's all we needed. So mm-hmm. we went out. I think we beat them 21-17 that game, and that put us on the map. And I think that year we finished ninth or 10th, 10th or 11th in the nation that year. But that team was loaded also. So I don't regret either. Either I love my time at NC State because I'm a Wolfpacker at heart. Um, but Baylor was one of the best decisions of my life. And Coach Grant Taft is the second best man I've ever met in my life besides my dad. So mm. it was a great experience. Because I was going to ask you, could you – could you pick one over the other? Is it or is it like kids? Baylor and ah. State, is it like you? <laughs> um, I, I'm I, like I said, I'm a Wolfpack at heart, but you know, mm-hmm. I'm a sick and bear all day too. But uh, mm-hmm. um, I, I think at NC State, you know, having played as a freshman all twelve games, um, uh, it made me a better receiver. Uh, coming out of high school, uh, because I grew up all my life a quarterback actually, and um. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Baylor, those two years at Baylor were just something special, man. The Southwest Conference, again, you know, Texas, Texas A&M, um, Arkansas was loaded. SMU was loaded, of course, illegally, of course. Yeah. But uh, yeah, look, the old joke back then was SMU players took a pay cut when they went to the pros. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but, uh, yeah, I, I love the time back in the old Southwest Conference, too. In the A&M game, my, my senior year, we played at Kyle Field. And uh, it's called to this day, you can Google it, the greatest game in Southwest Conference history. Mm. Um, it was that good. They beat us 31-30 that game. Um, yeah. Kevin Murray was the quarterback and Johnny Holland on defense. They were loaded. But, man, we uh, Baylor, we got – I can name names. But my the Thomas Everett was the first Jim Thorpe Award winner. Um, uh, the Cowboys. I remember yeah. Cowboys, yeah. yeah. Ron Francis, James Francis, linebacker with the Bengals. Mm. Again, Ray Crockett. Every day in practice, just to give you an insight of even at NC State, the four defensive backs who started State, I went against every day, went to the NFL. It was uh, D.D. Hoggart, who went to Cleveland. Uh, Perry Williams played on the Giants Super Bowl teams. Our free safety was Eric Williams, who played for the Steelers and was Playboy All-American. And our our, uh, strong safety was Don Wilson, who played for the Bills. Now, when I went to Baylor, all four of those guys I went against every day were NFL players. We had uh, Ron Francis, who played with the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other corner was Ray Crockett, played with the, the Broncos and the, mm-hmm. and the Lions. Yeah. Um, uh, um, Thomas Everett was free safety. And Robert Blackman, who played with the Seahawks for years, was our strong safety. So every day in practice, I got better, and, and hopefully I made them better um, because uh, those, those are great times, and I'll always cherish them. So you you mentioned you know eighty twenty as far as the you know go get it is it's yours. Were you the the tall guy? Were you the burner? Were you the possession guy? Were you a little bit of everything? What was what type of? I'm not saying put yourself in a box, but what 
Yeah. Would they, you know, defenders kind of if the scouting report, oh, Davis is a, you know, uh, they love to throw the fade to Davis. What mm-hmm. were, what type of wide out were you? Man, I was the type of wide out. I love going across the middle. Okay. Uh, I love running slant routes um and dig routes and of course the scouting report on me after talking to uh i'm now good friends with larry brown who won the mvp super bowl and the scouting report was i'll climb on you and it won't look like i'm running at all so when you're in your back pedal because coming out i ran like a four four eight uh in my pro day for the for the 49ers so i was fast but i was long but i strided out and it didn't look like i was running fast so that was one thing but I got game film. We played um, Texas Tech. I caught a, uh, one of their defenses. They would line a linebacker up on one of our formations on the tight end. So coach lined me up at tight end one time, and I had a linebacker on me, total mismatch. I come off the line, get the two-yard pass, and I turn it into 69 yards. But I tell people that skill, finesse, and scared. You know, no shame here. You know, I didn't like to get touched coming off the line, uh-huh. you know, and it helped me get off the line clean. Uh, but also I, I didn't like getting tackled. So I I, I ran fast um, at Baylor. I still have one. Uh, I'm still one of the top. I averaged 19 yards a catch at Baylor, mm. uh, 19 and some change. And um, so, I, you know, I could turn, you know, that quick slant into something big. And even at NC State as a freshman, I held the freshman touchdown receiving record for like 31 years um i caught that first touchdown of the season for for nc state as a freshman actually um but i was that type receiver i was i'm gonna get you um you know as a receiver you have to have that mentality there is no way on earth you know what you're gonna do you know what route you're gonna run there's no way on earth the db should be able to stop you especially in man to man Mm -hmm. i mean i i'm the type i was a little cocky i admit it uh, if I see a man-to-man matchup, I would just stare at the quarterback and just say, just shake my head. So that uh, you can't do it. Uh-huh. Just can't do it. Um, and I was always taller than a lot of the DBs that I went against, um, you know, during that time. And then I was fortunate enough to play a year and a half with the Houston Oilers. Um, and then my second knee surgery, I just decided to call it a day. And you're talking about Warren Moon being my quarterback. Mm. Um my rookie year, me and Hayward Jeffries were rookies together. He's an NC State guy. Uh, Alonzo Highsmith, uh, Al Smith was a linebacker. But that was another thing, the speed of the game. Like I told my nephew who's with the Ravens now, I told him, I said, dude, the speed of the game is really going to blow your mind, but don't let it affect you mentally. Mm. You know, Get comfortable with who you are and what you can do and know your reads as a linebacker and just you know go to the ball because the speed of the game – you know, is is incredibly different on the wow. on the pro level. So unbelievable, unbelievable. And I'm sure if you talk to a lot of guys that, from Kentucky who are in the pros, you say, "Hey, what's the biggest difference? Speed of the game, mm-hmm. and how much they throw at you." You know, when your you know your playbook is you know about four inches thick, you know, and you got to have all the reads in there as a wide receiver, the read option routes, uh, it, it can get pretty hectic. But those two things are the biggest thing uh, making that leap into the next level. So coming up, you know, being from from North Carolina, and I, I think about you in the morning. I, I, I go to work, you know, you you get in the car before the the Bluetooth kicks in on your phone, the radio's on, and sometimes it'll be you know stations locally. But there's it was on this eighty eight point seven WNCW out of Spindale going to work one day. 
coming in, coming in, clears the bell. I was like, wow, Spindale, North Carolina. I said, that's Davis, that's Davis hometown, man. Yes, sir. I was thinking about you, and it was coming. I'm I'm outside of Knoxville, but getting it clear. What? And they were playing, they were playing a little jazz, a little yeah. some little global, some little Caribbean right. kind of music. And so yeah. I ain't even I ain't even switch over to Bluetooth. I'm like, okay, <laughs> let me just keep let's go old school with the old radio all the way into work. But I say, look at look at Spindale coming. That's how we roll. That's how we roll. Man, growing up, I'm so fortunate, Danny. Man, growing up, I, my town was like maybe 3,200 people, man. Uh, but we had three high schools in the county, actually. Um, you know, and we talk about pros, man. There were two guys from my hometown who played in the NFL. Rod McSwain played with the uh, uh, the Patriots when they lost the Super Bowl to uh, Chicago, and then Chuck McSwain, his brother. Um, they're, you know, Chuck's in the Hall of Fame at Clemson. Both of them went to Clemson. Um, but we just learned to compete against each other, man. That's all we had. The only thing we had to do was go to school, play sports, and go cow tipping every now and then to 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 make sure we're good athletes, running from cows. But um, that was a good life, man. Growing up in a small town like that, um, it makes you appreciate things, even as an as an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, the things that you didn't have or weren't exposed to, when you were exposed and got them, you appreciate them a little bit more. And that's what Spindale, North Carolina, did to me. And that's you know, there's this myth nowadays, of course. Well, you know, you you, you got to play at this big high school. You got to be from a big city. No, on the college level, if you can play, they'll find you. Mm-hmm. No, on the pro level, it doesn't matter what college you go to, they will find you. Really uh, my, there's a kid from my hometown now with the Vikings. He went to Georgia Southern, wasn't recruited, you know, big coming out of high school and everything. But you know, he he, he went to he's from Spindale, went to Georgia Southern, and now he's with the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, if you can play, they will find you for sure. I do a lot of seminars with parents, you know, in the summer. You know, talking about some of these things like NCAA eligibility, recruiting, what they should look for. And then what do college coaches look for in parents? Because, you know, for a fact, these AAU AAU games are terrible uh, with parents involvement or, you know, even off the court, how much the parents are involved. Um, And we have long what I call crucial conversations, you know, with the parents on what college coaches look for. You know, I was a, a high school basketball coach in, in North Carolina for, for a long time and in Florida. And I've had guys play for Bobby Knight, you know, uh, the, in South Carolina when Eddie Fogel was there in UNC Charlotte, everywhere. And I know all these coaches. Even I've worked Carolina and Duke camp for 16, 17 years. They always were at AAU games sitting around. They say, Coach Davis, whose parents are those? I'd never recruit that kid. Hmm. And I have to tell the parent, think about a Duke, Carolina, or a Kentucky game. Do you ever see a crazy parent right. sitting behind the bench going, no, you don't. Mm-hmm. You know, they look for the, they recruit parents too. Mm-hmm. You know, back mm-hmm. when I was coming up with Coach Carroll and went over to, across the street to meet my neighbors. Mm-hmm. You know, what kind of kids is they? You know, mm-hmm. they went across the street to talk to my neighbors, man. Um, so there are a million things that I talk about with these parents, you know, when dealing with their kids when it comes to the recruiting side and what to look for uh, uh, to make sure your kid has every chance to make it to the next level. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And when you, you mentioned when you're coming up, you, of course, well, playing quarterback and before switching to wide receiver. So let me ask the two part question. Who, who were you watching, you know, as far as trying to emulate in college as I guess you were probably watching quarterbacks more than receivers, but who, who were you watching, at the college or the pro level, 
I guess it's a QB since you were a QB for most of your time coming up. Yeah, man, it's weird because um, I grew up a Miami Dolphin fan because mm. when they were, you know, uh, when I was growing up at that eight or nine years old, they were the best thing going. And yeah. I remember from a quarterback standpoint, uh, I will admit I used to love watch, watching Roger Staubach play. Oh, oh. I used to love watching Terry Bradshaw play as a quarterback. But when it came to receiver roles, I always went to Miami Dolphin. Paul Warfield was great mm. to me. Mm. And but then later on, I started watching the Drew Pearsons and, and Lynn Swans of the world um, th- because they were kind of big receivers, too. Um, but they I used glide, to love, they glided like you, didn't they? Yeah, man, they, <laughs> they were they were exceptional, man. Um, you know, and, and they caught every ball. Um, mm. You know, they, they were good route runners, caught the discipline. But the quarterbacks, man, I, I was a big, of course, Bob Greasy fan, but Terry Bradshaw and Roger Staubach, I hate the Cowboys, but I, I, I give credit where credit's due. Yeah. Man, they, they, they were something else uh, um, uh, back in the day. But uh, on the college level back then, it's weird because in Spindale, uh, you may have, I don't know if you, you may not be old enough to remember, but they used to have on Sunday mornings, USC highlights and Notre Dame highlights on Sunday morning oh, wow. from Saturday's game. Then Scully used to narrate oh, man. and they would just show certain plays from their games, right? 30 minutes. I grew up admiring Southern Cal and I used to tell people, Anthony Davis was my cousin. Anthony Davis was a tailback at Southern Cal scored six touchdowns against Notre Dame. So I, I grew up liking, I'd sit there Sunday morning cause I was a sports fanatic. If sports was on, I had to watch it. Um, and Southern Cal was it. So back to that Southern Cal game, <laughs> we came out to, to the Coliseum. It's huge. Starting to fill up. You know, we're out getting warm-ups, catching balls. We go in to get our instruction. It was an ABC game. We come out. We're in the tunnel. It's about 98, 100,000 people filling, filled up stadium. I was cooled in. We ran to the sideline. I'm on the sideline catching balls. I'm still cool. I turn around. I see the daggum Trojan on that horse come out. I turned into an eight-year-old. Like, oh, my God. His vest was shiny. I'm like, what in the heck is going on here? And it just triggered something in my mind because you, you said something very telling, Vinny, about who did I watch. I emulated athletes, you know. Baseball players, I emulated everything they did at the plate. I was a center fielder, you know, uh, emulated things going on outfield. As a basketball player, David Thompson was my hero growing up. Mm. He's from Shelby. David Thompson was my hero. Uh, I emulated David Thompson, jab, step, jump, shoot, whatever the case may be. But kids don't do that nowadays because they don't watch sports, you know, mm-hmm. like we used to growing up. We mm-hmm. There was not a sports event that was on TV that I did not want to watch. I would just sit in the middle of the floor and watch sports with my dad. Uh, and I emulated those athletes. I wanted to do things like them. You know, how I held my bat up high, you know, everything. Um, and that was important to me, uh, the emulation of guys at that level, because I wanted to be them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think a lot of that not, is not going on now for whatever reasons. You know, they have outside influences that take up their time uh, other than just sitting watching a game every every hour that they can. And those are some of the things that that's, that's, that's lacking uh, with these kids growing up nowadays. And so I was thinking, as I was asking you, well, I was like, man, you probably didn't see 
a lot of guys on the West Coast, and then you say you you got the USC highlights every week. Yes, sir. Did, did you did you get a little bit of warm moon at Washington as well, or were they? No, it was only the USC highlights. Really? Wow. It, 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 they only showed Notre Dame highlights and USC highlights, and it was thirty minutes of put together plays from that game, and then Scully would narrate it. Tell us what's going on. I never got the Washington warm moon. Of course, he was my teammate with the Oilers. Yeah. Um, and I admired him, you know, being in college and he was a pro then. Mm-hmm. I admired everything he did in the CFL. Uh, but as as a stand-up guy, I mean, he, he cracked two of my fingers because his, his balls were, would get up on you so quick. Wow. But he, he was that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he wasn't the tallest guy in the world. And that my rookie year, he had two big receivers, me and Hayward Jeffries. The other guys, when we went to camp, Ernest Givens was about 5'7". Mm-hmm. Drew Hill was about five six. Uh, <laughs> Willie Drury, bless, uh, rest in peace, Drew Hill. Uh, Willie Drury, all these guys were short, and me and Haywood kind of stuck out like sore thumbs. But now, instead of throwing in windows to see those smaller guys across the middle, he can now see a shoulder pad and a helmet because mm-hmm. our line was huge back then. You know, Bruce Matthews, who's a Hall of Fame, yeah, was six six seven. Dean Stein, cooler, uh, De- uh, Coach Mags. Who uh, my uh, uh, the coach used to be with the Titans, a line coach, yeah. Mags. Uh-huh. He was Mags, Munchek, mm. Dean Stein, Cooler. Those guys were huge. So, like I said, Warren was kind of took a pink having targets. Yeah. But I, I think the world of, of Warren Moon, not only as a Hall of Fame quarterback, of course, but a, a great person too, man, a, a real good person. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, going back to SMU, but. You went up against Dickerson and James and all them. Was that? Was that I, mean, I was against Pony Express too. Depart okay. and Atkins. Okay. Yeah, Depart and Atkins. Um, the and the year my junior year was the year they got the death penalty. I think so. My senior year they were really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was at Pony Express too. McElhaney, McElhaney was a quarterback, and Depart and Atkins were the tailbacks. Uh, but they had a good. Morris was a receiver that year. I forgot his first name. Uh, he was a good receiver. But, uh, yeah, by far, Dickerson and uh, Craig James were the two highest-paid players in, in pro football yeah. uh, as, as, uh, as as seniors at SMU. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, but it, it was a great time in the Southwest Conference. But uh, back then, back then things were a little different, you know. Different. Now, now it's, I don't know if my years are right. That's what I'm asking. Did you see Dupree at Oklahoma? Was he there when you were? Uh, Marcus Dupree was a, we didn't play against him, but I think he was a freshman. I think. I think Marcus Dupree was 83 or 84. Okay. But we had heard about this kid, of course. He was like, you know, bigger than life. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, 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 running back. We, I've, we heard about him, but OU, they were the big eight back then. They oh, okay, okay. They weren't yeah. Southwest they were Conference. Missouri. My bad. Yeah, right. Southwest Conference. They weren't in the Southwest Conference back that's then. Right. See, I'm uh, thinking, I'm thinking Big Twelve, and they all. But yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Eric Metcalf was at Texas. He was a running back at Texas um, uh, that year. The quarterback at, at Southern Cal was uh, Rodney Pete. Well, Stansberry was my junior year, then Rodney Pete my senior year. Um, but just the coaches back then, Jackie Sherrill. <laughs> um, uh, a Royal uh, uh, Hatfield at Arkansas, you know, coaches and kind of like the, the Southeast Conference today, the Southwest Conference was that conference mm-hmm. uh, uh, back in the day when it came to every week. Rice wasn't that good, 
But University of Houston was good back then. Man, of course, the ones that I named, SMU, Arkansas, Texas, Texas A&M, were, were loaded. But like I said, at Baylor, we, we were not only – well, my teammates were not only great people, but the coaches were ex, uh, exceptional. I think about going back to Dupree, you being a North Carolina guy, you went to NC State. You know, not everybody stays home, but you did initially until the coaching change. Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's research for this, but to me, Mississippi has let more guys get away from the, the big state schools, Ole Miss and Mississippi State. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. Jerry Rice, Walter Payton, Brett Favre, wow. Marcus Dupree, Jason Campbell, all from Mississippi. None of them went to mm -hmm. Ole Miss or Mississippi State. Which is you know, yeah, I know Brett with the Southern Miss, I think. Yeah, but you're right. The, um, and you know what? To be honest with you, um, um, some some kids want to get away from home. Don't get me wrong, but if you have the number one through ten football player from your state that you can't get, there's yeah. something else going on. Mm -hmm. Now we have coaching turn no, we, but uh, Ole Miss, Mississippi, Mississippi State has a lot of coaching turnover too. So that could be a reason. But, you know, guys from North Carolina, they play at Chapel Hill. Uh, you know, they go to NC State. Um, but you're right. And I think, well, Florida has an excuse because there's so many athletes in Florida. Mm -hmm. You know, Florida State, Florida, you know, Miami can't take them all, to be honest yeah. with you. Mm -hmm. I, I'm being totally honest. There's a, um, a, a, a man, just a wealth of talent in Florida. And Georgia's getting to be the same way, too. You know, Kentucky's doing a great job of infiltrating, you know, students, uh, you know, the the, the bordering states. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you want to stay true to your state and take the best athletes. But my gosh, if you can get the you can get the number two running back from the state of Tennessee, you know, or, or you know, the the number four linebacker out of Alabama, that's a win for for the state of Kentucky. Uh, but I think Stoops is doing – he's going along the, uh, the the bordering states and getting some pretty good talent, man. Um, same and thing with Texas. Texas just has a, a a wealth of talent that, you know, kids nowadays don't want to play at the University of Texas. Baylor's doing a great job of getting those kids now, top recruits out of the state of Texas. But for whatever reason, you hit the nail on the head with Mississippi, man. They None of those kids stay there, top kids. Hall of Famers. All those, I mean, I don't yeah. know if – if every state can oh, say, man. well, we've had a bunch of Hall of Famers that we missed on, but I, I mean, Herschel Walker went to Georgia. Yep. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. you know, and, and a lot of Georgia guys stay there. Mm -hmm. But Stoops, Stoops, I mean, prior to him, Kentucky tried to get into Georgia and the Southern states, mm -hmm. but he's from Ohio. So he's kind of, he's hit Cincinnati, which is just yes. an hour from Lexington. Yep. He's got a nice little pipeline in Cincinnati and brought those, hey, you're just an hour from home and can play in the SEC. And that has really, really mm -hmm. worked. A lot of Ohio kids, you know, Mike mm -hmm. Edwards. Uh, you know. Where was your quarterback from last year? He transferred from Penn State. He's from Connecticut. Connecticut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there you go. But, you know, Stoops, I think, and I do it too, he, he throws his name out there, man. He throw, he uses his name in a big way. You know, Stoops' last name carries a lot of weight, and not mm -hmm. only in, you know, the, the southeast, but in across the United States. Yeah, you know, family, when, it, when yeah. it comes to the, to his last name, so he he you know if he was smart, you know he, he'd have his brother on the phone a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. talking to some of these guys, you know, um, you know, but he that last name go a long way. But then again, you know his his uh, his book of work, his resume of work, 
uh, there at University of Kentucky is going to take him extremely far. And I think he's building that program to tell kids right now, you come here, we need people like you to get us to that next level, you know, and, you know, we're missing pieces. We're right there at the cusp of ACC championship. We can compete, but not only do we want to compete, we want to win. And I think he can throw that out to kids now to say, you're that missing piece. You know, I'm, I'm, we get sick and tired of hearing about the Georgias of the world, the Alabamas of the world. Dude, we beat them. We, we compete, but we want to win it. And, you know, you're the number one linebacker in the nation. Come help us win this championship. And now maybe one day you'll have a statue outside of the stadium for doing so. Yeah. Going somewhere to build instead of going somewhere where it's already laid out for you. Mm -hmm. That's a good yeah. recruiting tool. And some some guys, like you said, some guys like that, and that that draws them. Yeah, I want to go be part of this yep. process. And mm. yeah. great yeah. point. And I, it worked on me at NC State. I knew I, I wanted to be a wide receiver. I loved Mike Quick mm. uh, coming out. He was number twenty-two uh, when I took my visits. Clemson, you know, I went to Clemson, but they already had a. They just came off winning the national championship. You know that 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 foundation was built. And when my, uh, Coach Kiffin told me, man, if you come to NC State and work, you can start as a freshman. You could be the next Mike Quick. I'm like, dude, <laughs> where do I sign? You know? Yeah. And so sure enough, it happened. The biggest day for me pride-wise was opening my locker, first day as a rookie, as a freshman, and they gave me number 22. Oh, uh, and that, I, that you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hooked, you know? Because uh, Mike Quick, you know, Philadelphia Eagle, great Philadelphia Eagle, uh, and, and big receiver. Um, I'll, and he's a friend to this day. Um, but some things like that from a coaching standpoint, you got to just put on the table, think outside the box when recruiting, not only telling these guys what they want to hear, but the sincerity of, man, we get somebody like you. One, I got I got coaches to put you in a position to make it to the next level. But in the on the road to that, we're going to win championships and not only compete, but win championships, but we need people like you. And I think Coach Stoops is smart enough guy to do that and say that. And honestly, this is the this is the best it's been in my lifetime. Mm. I was I was born in 77. So mm. I heard my dad talk about that 77 team that went 10 and 1, lost to your Baylor Bears. Yep. You know, Derek yep. Ramsey. They yep. lost to Mike Singletary and all those guys down there. 81. That was 81 team, I think, wasn't it? 77. 77 team because yeah, yeah. Mike was a senior in 81. He he was the last uh cotton bowl team for Baylor. Okay. 81. Yep. Man. And so before what 2018, I'd never seen a Kentucky team win 10 mm. games because I was the year I was born was the last time they won 10. So they won nine, won the bowl game, got 10. Yep. And they've done it twice in the last four or five years. So that's mm -hmm. this this is blowing my mind. Wow. I grew up I grew up losing to Tennessee 26 years in a row. I went from I went from age seven yep. to age 34 without seeing a win over Tennessee. So right. this this is the kind of history he's trying to change. Yep. A 32-year wow. losing streak to Florida. So that he beat Florida in the swamp and yep. now beat them three out of five. Shouldn't yep. should have beat them about five or six years in a row, but he's, yeah. he's slowly yep. you know knocking down <sighs> terrible historical streaks. Yeah, and he can use that to his advantage out there on the recruiting trail. You know, this this ain't the old Kentucky. This ain't yeah. your dad's Kentucky. You know, right. you know, uh, it said this ain't this is not your father's Kentucky football team, dude. You know, this is where we're going, and that trajectory is is great. But again, it's going to take that special kid. It's going to take him getting one or two special kids 
in one year to come to Kentucky, like mm -hmm. like the five star, either first or second in their state, and other kids will come because yeah. uh, they'll mm -hmm. want to be part of it. You know, mm -hmm. uh, and that's going to be huge. Keep the state of Kentucky, though. You got to do well in your backyard for sure. But yeah. then again, those bordering states like him being from, you know, the uh, Cincinnati area, northern Kentucky, mm -hmm. um, lower, lower um, Ohio is huge to get some of those big recruits, too. That's it. Yeah. Unlike Calipari, who can just he has a Rolodex of me and just call when I'm up and, and, yeah. and they're there, you know. <laughs> Um, but Stoops is on the right track. I'm I'm excited to see what Kentucky's going to do this year. You guys got some great uniforms too, by the way. Uh, <laughs> they got yeah. some pretty slick uniforms. Yeah, uh, I like them. Yeah, and that, those chrome ones. When they go with the chrome ones, man, I like that that chrome too. Yeah. Uh, how you think your Dodgers going to do, man? Since oh, world place. Oh, oh. I, no, I caught myself. I caught myself. Go ahead, finish your question. I'm sorry. I was like, how you you know? Sit, I mean, got the West locked up. You know, yeah. kind of like like my Braves got the East locked up, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we both have seen titles here recently. You guys yeah. and and yeah. we both got one, yeah. Uh, so y'all just cruising, just gonna just gonna handle it and bring home another one. <laughs> Whoo, boy, 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 here you go. <laughs> um, well, if our pitching, if we got some starters out, you know, if we get Bueller back, yeah. Oh my God, you know, Kentucky boy, man, Kentucky. Yes, sir. Boy. If we get Bueller back, <laughs> I'm gonna be tickle pink. Uh, but he went to Vanderbilt, didn't he? Didn't yeah, he? yeah, he's yeah. from Lexington, but went to Vanderbilt. Yeah. yeah. So if we get Bueller back and Urias get his head out of his butt, you know, Kershaw's Kershaw. You know, my only knock on Clayton Kershaw playoff time. Sometimes he disappears in playoffs, man. Mm -hmm. um, I, I know I told you I took a sabbatical one year and just traveled to watch Dodger games. I lived in LA, got to travel with the team, and I think I watched like ninety three games that year. And that was a year we lost a five game it was a five game series to st louis and they beat kershaw twice that in one series oh, so wow. sometimes in playoff he, he can disappear for whatever reason but our starting pitcher our bullpen is getting back good but our starters have to give us like five or six innings and that hadn't been happening but like i said with bullet coming back oh my god we can hit the ball i mean from our, our you know mookie and freeman are the best one too now not to knock your braves but but Mookie and, and, and Freddie Freeman are the best two one two uh, hitters in in the major leagues, I think. You know, uh, but and thank you for allowing Freddie to come to us. Um, but um, speaking but, of agents, <laughs> good point. Good point. Point taken. Yeah, right. But yeah, we we can hit the baseball from top to bottom. But you know, it's it's one of those things we can't look at uh, outscoring people every game. We got to get stops. You know. Um, we can't be speaking of Baylor, you know, Baylor's offense can put up 42 points, but lose 44, 42. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's something in baseball, the analogy, you know, the, to, to compare it Dodgers, you know, we, we can't win game, but we can, but it's not good. Win games eight to seven, dude, let's get some eight to ones. Let's stop people, mm -hmm. uh, get some better pitching. But I think that'll happen. You know, hopefully Vinny, we can see a, a Braves, uh, Dodgers, LCS, um, uh, um, uh, and, and, and I can call you and talk junk again, but uh, <laughs> but hopefully we can see that. I, that's what I'm rooting for, by the way. Speaking of defense, is you mean you know Baylor losing 44-42? Aranda, I mean that's a defensive guy. You think he's gonna get that get a little get that tightened up a little bit? Yeah, he's got to. I mean, I think he's going into his third year, mm -hmm. um, if I'm not mistaken. And it's time. Those are his guys. He he recruited them, you know. And I, and I tell college coaches, I tell the story. 
the, if you got guys for three to four years, those are your guys. There's no more excuses. I got these other kids. I didn't recruit them. These are your guys. Mm-hmm. You know, no excuses. And so with him being a defensive great mind that he is, yeah. um, he, he, he's got to, to tighten up that part of it. Our quarterback's coming back. You know, we got quarterbacks, though, for 4,000 yards, you know, and lose games. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, the Big 12 was tough. You know, don't get me wrong. Um, but there was that one year we should – our quarterback broke his neck uh, yeah. that year. We were like 8-0, he broke his neck. But I think that was the year we could have won a national championship, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but things happen. You live and learn. you you got to move on. But if he doesn't get this offense, the defense going, man, it's his, it's his defense. You know, if anything, take over the defensive play call. And I don't know, do something mm-hmm. as a head coach to prove your point that, you know, that Baylor can get it done. But offensively, we're going to be fine. But our defense, man, they'll, they'll Swiss cheese, man, on that defensive side mm-hmm. of the ball. And not to, not to beat it up, but you know, you you grew up with Myron USC. They kind of in a similar situation. They you know, they let San Jose State throw up twenty eight points, and and we saw them struggle to tackle people last year. And mm-hmm. game but, one is an indication of we haven't seen. You know, they're kind of picking up where they left off last year. But Caleb is great. The offense is great. But you, know, you start playing Oregon and UCLA and and all those guys, you got them. They got to get some stops too, right? Yeah, I totally agree. And I don't, I don't mean to knock the Pac-12, but there's no excuse in, in the Pac-12 not to stop people. I mean, there are good offenses out there, don't get me wrong. But um, part of the problem, a lot of people don't realize this, the outside of the box thinking, part of the problem, when you have a great quarterback and a great offense, you score quick. The other team has the ball a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Your defense gets tired on the field. So yeah. the long drive sustain against your defense because your offense scores so quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying they should slow it down and, you know, have 12 play drive. The score is a score. Yeah. And again, when you, when you do score quickly, the other team, if you look at stats, when it comes to time of possession, I guarantee you those high potent offenses may be half the time with the ball as the other team, because they do score so quickly. And that's Southern Cal's problem. Great offense, great quarterback, but they're going to score so quickly, man, because they're so explosive. Their defense is going to be on the field a lot of time, and teams are going to score. Now, having said that, you have a quick three and out because you throw the ball three downs. You don't score. Again, uh, the mm-hmm. team takes over the ball, defense on the field a long period of time, and score. Yeah, you know, so things like that come into play, uh, Vinny. When you do have a great offense and teams are scoring a lot against you, but as a coach, you can't tell a team don't score quick. Mm-hmm. Right. You just have to say defense. This, it is what it is. They're that great. We have to sustain drives and, you know, bow our neck a little bit and, and stop people mm-hmm. because that does happen. Last thing, man, I'll get you out of here. I mean, the, the NBA is still around the corner, but, you know, we're moving into fall and it's coming. I just got to ask you, this this Adam Silver midseason tournament, man, what are you, what are you thinking about the whole um, inauguration of that? Um, I, I, I have to say I'm all for testing it. I think it's an incentive for players to make more money. I think it's like a million bucks or something that pot for the winning team. And there's a lull about Christmas time. You have your Christmas Day games, yada, yada, yada. But during the course of the season, they have these particular games already picked out that are going to count toward the standings for this tournament. I think it'll bring excitement. Don't get me wrong. Uh, 
you know, I think it's only adding like one game instead of an 82 game season. It's going to be 83 game season. They cut back some games in the regular season to make this work. Uh, I'm all for trying it and then letting the players dictate if they should continue to have it or not. Mm. But, you know, I've talked to a couple of guys and they're excited about that. Don't get me wrong. Um, and it will bring it more excitement to the NBA midseason. Uh, because, you know, some NBA not true fans only wait till the playoffs and the finals, to be honest mm-hmm. with you, to turn it on. They don't watch, you know, that game, you know, November 8th, you know, whatever. But, you know, playoffs and and, and, and championship is when they the, the viewers come in. But this adds a new wrinkle midseason, hopefully to capture more viewers and, and to uh, give a little bit more excitement. Dudes, you know, we're putting this together for you mid, midseason to earn extra bucks. And I'm going to be honest with you, I know no NBA player is turning down more money, no matter yeah. how much they got. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see it, Vinny, to be honest with you. But it, in the end, I'd hope Commissioner Silver will listen to the players and get their feedback if it should continue or not. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I guess it'll have to win me over. I'm just kind of, I'm yeah. like, well, I'll, I'll see what happens. And then, you know, I was the same way with the rule changes. I was like, man, I don't know. As, as far as baseball. You know, oh. with, with the pitch clock and, and I love pitch and all clock, that. Man. I'm sorry, Danny. You do, I love man. And I was, I was like, I don't. It's to me, it wasn't necessary. I'm like, I don't go to a baseball game to mm-hmm. be timed. Yeah, I want to go and eat my hot dog. If it's a 14 inning game and it lasts four hours, if mm-hmm. it's a nine inning pitcher's duel and it's an hour and 48 minutes, I don't care. Either mm-hmm. way, it, did, it didn't bother me. Mm-hmm. But the it didn't. It wasn't as annoying as I thought it would be. I'm, I'm kind of. I'm, <laughs> I get it. I'm on board with it. And yeah. at the beginning, and I was like, "Man, this is this is unnecessary. This is pointless." Yeah. And you know, I it's cool now. You know. Yeah. So yeah. I, I will I, tell I, you, I there's a trade-off. Uh, no, no, not yet. Hold that thought because there's a trade-off. I'm for it because it does cut. We got two-hour games now, dude. You know, that's another hour and a half. I might get back in my life where I'm not watching the game. I love <laughs> baseball. It's my first yeah. love. But I think they should do away now that we have the pitch clock, do away with the runner on second base and extra innings. Because, mm-hmm. you know, they supposedly did that to speed up the end of the game. But now games are shorter. So go back to your regular, you know, bun a guy over to get him over, you know, yeah. you know, to, you know the, regular, the regular, you know, uh, extra inning uh, scenario. Mm-hmm. Now that you've got those, that, those extra, that extra time from usage of pitch clock, Take that runoff second base, dude. That's one thing I will agree with you on, dude. We can do away with that. Um, um, But the the pitch clock, I'm for it. Get in there and hit hit the ball. Get on the mound and pitch the ball. You know, nothing's going to change in that extra 30 seconds you took walking around the mound. It's going to change. You know, know, you're you're an athlete. You're a top-of-the-line athlete. I know it made the pitchers get in better shape. Yeah, don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. you, you get on the mountain, get on the rubber, throw the rubber, throw the ball, get in the batter's box, hit the baseball. You know, I was always a first pitch hitter. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I knew a ambushing stuff. Pitcher. He was ambushing guy. He was ambushing whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know he's gonna. Tr- hopefully, if he's a good pitcher. Gonna try to get ahead of me with his first pitch because mm-hmm. I was a good hitter. Man, I I dig in so quick and be ready to go. If I if it's right there in my wheelhouse, coming from his hand where I want it. Done deal. I ain't sitting take a pitch to see a ball and all that stuff. I'm a I was first pitch guy. Now he knows that when he throws a ball, I'm ahead of him now. He's got to come back to me. Yeah, you know. Right. But mm-hmm. I was a first pitch guy. So major leaguers, you know, 
suck it up, butterfly, buttercup. You know, <laughs> get in there and hit. Batter's box and hit. Get on total rubber and throw it. That's good baseball. There you go. Give it a give it a break. Give it a chance, Manny. Come on, give it. A okay, chance. yeah, right. you're right. You're right. And this has been a good conversation, man. Twig. Good man, baseball, oh, good football, good basketball, and oh. appreciate you taking the time. And and definitely got to get you back on here, man. Sure. I will tell you this. Shout out to Kentucky. They have the best NBA NBA players in the league. There, there, there are five Kentucky guys right now. If they were on the same team, they win a championship. I think they're that good. Um, so whatever. I know they didn't win. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, not a lot of championships. And more, they didn't win as many as they should. I'll say that while at Kentucky, even with the one and done. Mm-hmm. But as pros in the NBA, the Kentucky players. If you looked in the playoff, every team had one or two Kentucky players on. Yeah. Um, they, they're that good on that level. So, and to me right now, one of my favorite players to watch is Booker. Um, yeah. I'm a Devin Booker fan, not only because he's a great player, but he's tenacious. Uh, he he has that dog in him to let you know I'm here. I ain't going nowhere. You got to stop me. But on the other end, I can stop you too. Mm-hmm. He's, that, he's a two-way guy. And I appreciate that out of him. You know, got to get, uh, got to get AD to stay healthy. Yeah. Uh, you got to yeah. get him to stay healthy for whatever reasons. I don't know if it's all season is not, you know, up to par to where those other guys are, mm-hmm. but that's something that um, that he has to, you know, it's tough. You know, it's tough on a kid who who consistently has injuries and just can't break that mold. I don't, I don't know if it's mental. Can't be mental because he's physically getting hurt. But it's off season, you know. Show up that off season a little bit, you know. Big cat. I like watching big cat play. I wish he would get. You know, I wish he would just take a piece of. Uh, Mark and erase a three-point line and pretend there's one not there because yep. he would dominate inside. He would, mm-hmm. would dominate inside. But yeah. I just wanted to say that to all your listeners. I totally appreciate as a coach uh, watching them play on that level uh, collect as a group of, of University of Kentucky players. And you mentioned Stoops and how he's recruiting and continuing to build well and different pitches he can use as far as Ohio kids and all that. Cal can just roll up and, and talk about the the B the contracts for all his guys that are in the billions, literally for his guys in the league. And yep. I mean, <laughs> yep. And, yeah, he can just say, Hey, how would you like and draw a number on a on a little post-it note? Yep. You know, I'd send the kids mom and dad the same post-it note with just a number on it. This could be you, you know, that's what he's gonna do. Uh and in college, just like I'll, I'll say this to anybody who'll listen, college is a place where you learn your craft. To be, to earn money, turn a career, whether it's academically an engineer, they take engineering classes. Kids can come to school and take classes, but if they go to University of Kentucky and they're a basketball player, they're going to learn their craft at a high level to make that money on the next level. Just like Joe walking the street, walking to college campus, who's not playing sports. Mm-hmm. They're taking those classes to obtain a great job in their field or their you know careers. That's what the you know basketball athletes do. Yep. The only thing different, they have to take classes to stay eligible. Yeah. But they're earn, learning their craft in order to make money. And Cal does a great job. I bet you add up all of Cal's players' uh, bank accounts and contracts. Good lord, you yeah. probably not enough zeros. So yeah. that's one thing I do appreciate about Cal that he's doing. Um, and but those players on the next level have been tremendous, and I love watching them because I'm a fan. And AD still, you know, getting knocked for for not being healthy. You know, Charles Barkley calling street clothes Davis. Just 
just signed the richest extension in history of the league. So in the league. I mean and evidently the Lakers know something we don't know. They they yeah. they're they're putting a lot of trust in their kid. So, and I know AD probably wants to stay healthy. Don't everybody does. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. He's not one of them kids that man, I wish I was hurt. No. Right. But something has to change mm-hmm. in his offseason and things that go along with the season. And I'll share a story with you. As you know, with Stefan, his ankles were terrible when he came into the league. Mm-hmm. I mean, garbage. He had garbage ankles. He had a procedure done, but his training in the offseason, this dude will take two weeks off. And then he, even when he's on vacation, he works out. He finds a gym and work out in, on vacation with the wife and kids. Mm-hmm. During the year, there are things that he does for his ankles and, and just body. You know, he comes in, you look at his body, he's getting older but he transforms his, his body into this muscle. You know, mm-hmm. he does it all year. I don't know what other players, I know what some players do in the off seasons. I don't know what AD and, and other players do, but there's something has to change in that off season when it comes to conditioning, not only conditioning cardio, but strengthening those areas you get hurt in. Mm-hmm. And then during the season, it's not, you take a day off, <laughs> you know, even that off days, you're conditioning those areas you've been hurt in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like I said, I'm not in their training camps or anything. I just know what other people do, but there has to be something different uh, that they need to do to keep this kid healthy because he's a great player. Exactly. Got to find the right combination and, and you know, off season and then sustain it to where you can be durable enough to, yeah. to hold up to that grind. You're right. Exactly totally right. agree. Totally agree. Man, enjoyed this, Dave. Uh, give my love to Jackie. Well, love both of y'all, man. Uh, have to get back over there and holler at y'all when we over there. Uh, yeah, last time we seen you, they probably grown by now. They both tall as I am, man. <laughs> Fourteen and ten, and look at me in the eye, man. Uh, <laughs> it's flying um, by just like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Good. Give your wife hello. Tell her we said hello and the kids, man, and. Like I said, we got the bikino board waiting on you when you come yes, back sir. down and some good food. We'll, we'll get it done. And, uh, you know, all your listeners out there on the network, you know, you get some good information, not only from Benny, but the guests he brings on. You know, if they want to contact me, I'm on Instagram at Coach David Davis uh, on Instagram. So you can follow me there if you have any questions or want to continue conversations. Uh, I'm the type of guy I, I don't leave a question unanswered. So I'd love to hear from you guys. Appreciate it. I should have put that in there. I put your Twitter in there, but you don't tweet much. But yeah. this will be, I'll put it on LinkedIn. Okay. It'll be on YouTube. It'll be on Roku so people can watch. Wherever you listen to, the Apple Podcasts and Spotify, people can listen or watch whatever they okay. choose to do. So we'll Good. get this episode out here. You came on here and dropped knowledge for us, Triple D, man. Appreciate it. I try it. hard. I try hard. <laughs> oh, you, try hard. Man, it comes natural, man. Oh, natural. Whatever. whatever. <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much for the invite, Vinny. Um, um, and again, look forward to hearing from your fans. It's Coach David Davis at Instagram. So um, let me hear from you. I appreciate you having me on, dude. Yes, sir, man. Appreciate you. I got my Kentucky. You didn't say nothing about my Kentucky. I, I, I like said, you sure did, man. You did. Yeah, see that? Yeah, I was my dude, yeah. man. You blurred to me. Well, right right now it's Kentucky, boo. It is Duke, boo. Right now it's Kentucky, boo. Hey, yeah, it's that chameleon. It's it's it's, it's the whatever blue it needs to be. That's what it is, huh? <laughs> I, and I, I, I have to share one more Kentucky story. I'm sorry, Danny. Um, Chris Marcus, I coached Chris Marcus. He went all American at Western Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Coached him in high school. The very first time I was in Kentucky in um, in, in in the arena um, um, was Kentucky 
um, Western Kentucky game. And it was amazing in there, great atmosphere. And and sadly, you know, Western Kentucky beat them that game. That's right. They, sure yeah, did. they beat them that game. And I could tell the eagerness of the fans and how much the, the word fan comes from fanatic. Mm-hmm. There were literally people crying, like the, the alumni crying, UK alumni crying, because I don't think Western has ever beat them in like years, since the 70s, yeah. I think, when, when Daniels played. Yeah. But it was it, the environment was incredible. And then that same year, 2002, I got to watch Indiana and Duke play in the Elite Eight game wow. okay. in the arena where Indiana beat Duke. Uh, George That's Leach good. played for Indiana. I coached George Leach in high school. That's where uh, A.J. Moye blocked Carlos Boozer's dunk. Mm, okay. That was, that, was in, uh, that was in the arena. And okay. I'm going to just tell you, being in that arena, I've been to every arena, uh, Cameron, uh, IU Assembly, Chapel Hill, of course, even when they played at the, um, uh, uh, Carmichael. And I want to tell you, the the atmosphere in that arena, UK is is right up there with, with places I've been before. So kudos to your, your fans out there for that, too. Yeah, they yeah, Rep Arena, man. It can mm. it can be like, especially that big game Rep Arena atmosphere. It's, it's electricity in there. That Indiana team, that was the Mike Davis Indiana team. Was that, was it, that it Mike? Was Body Nice team. Coached by Mike Davis. Okay. Know that. Okay. And it was the year that they fired Coach Knight. Okay. But those were all his guys, um, of course. And um, they lost to Maryland in the finals that year. Juan Dixon, Steve Blake. But I will tell you, uh, 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 Coach Knight, when he was recruiting George, came down on a home visit and said, hey, we got – last year I think St. John beat him by 20 in NCAA. He told his coaches, we got to start recruiting athletes. We no longer can win with the Mr. Basketball of Indiana. We got to start recruiting athletes. So what he do? He went down south. He got Jeff Newton from Atlanta, AJ Moye from Atlanta, and George from Charlotte. Mm. He started getting those because George was a gazelle. He could run the floor six eleven center. I think he's like number two on in a IU shot blocking list. But you know they were athletes. Yeah. And sure enough, you know Coach Knight, you know poor thing didn't get to coach that team. Because he got fired in, in the the the, the uh, semester before, but Mike Davis held them together, and they they lost in the finals that year. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, just coming to uh, going back to the arena, rough arena, man, it, it's history. I, I love it there. Hopefully, I can get back one day. Yeah, man, I have to do it. I have to get you yep. back up there to bluegrass for sure. Yeah, man, I gotta get back over your way. Gotta get you up our way, and we, we gotta do all that, man. But we'll do it. Well, but thank you so much, Vinny. I look forward to uh, looking. I'm gonna show Jackie the podcast um, uh, when I get back. Right now, I'm actually speaking of the devil. I'm in Chapel Hill right now doing some work. Uh, okay. Not a Tar Hill by any means, so I have to close my eyes when I go outside because hell, that light blue is terrible. That's um, right. But uh, but yeah, when I get back to Charlotte, I'm gonna share the podcast with her, man. Show what a good good job you're doing. Hey, I appreciate it, man. I'll, I'll text it to you. I'll put it up on where you can get it for sure, man. All right. Thank you so much. Look hey, forward to hearing from you, dude. Absolutely. Appreciate it, Dave. All right. You're Thank good. You. You're good. Thank you, man. Y'all check him out. David Davis, Instagram, on Twitter. We're going to put it up on Roku. Going to get it up everywhere. Appreciate him coming on. Been too long since we had him on, for sure. Uh, he's a friend of the show. And yeah, go through little patches where we have friends of the show on and go through a little patch where we don't have friends of the show on for a while. It's like, oh man, I need to have this person back on. Uh, David is 
you know, good people. Like I said, been over there and, and chopped it up with him, broke bread at the crib over there in North Carolina with him. He's a good dude. It's his sports life, man. He's lived a life. His interactions, people he's crossed paths with, things he's been able to do, the things he's been able to accomplish, uh, unbelievable. And he's a better person than he was a player. Uh, so can't thank David enough for, for taking the time to hop on here. Uh, he's not on Twitter a lot, but it's D Davester. Got that scrolling on the ticker at D D A V S T E R. But um, we'll get it up uh, and get some clips out and, and let everybody be able to see that. Y'all will definitely enjoy this episode for sure. Finally, game week, 40 Cats, Ball State comes to town Saturday, 12 o'clock, Kroger Field, the 50th anniversary of Kroger Field. First game took place in 1973, and so friend of the show who, well, like again, it's been a minute since we've had him on, tried to have him on a couple weeks ago, but had to reschedule. Corey Price, stat man extraordinaire. Far as historical stats, Kentucky stats, UK football stats, he compiled a 50th anniversary all-time team uh, for Kroger Field slash for Commonwealth Stadium slash Kroger Field. So all the players that have come through the last 50 years, and he compiled it: uh, first team, second team, third team. Uh, of Kentucky players, quarterback, two running backs, you know, receivers, each position group. And he, you know, sent out an email to different members of the media, asked them if they want to participate and, and fill out the ballot. And he sent me one, and I was uh, honored to be able to uh, take part in his uh, in his ballot. Uh, so I'm going to just go through the first team that I – voted or selected, if you will, for Corey's ballot. Uh, at quarterback, uh, I had Derek Ramsey. That's what I was talking about on that 77 team with David Davis. They went 10-1. and one. That's the year I was born. And Kentucky football, the history throughout most of my life had not been good. I hadn't seen 10 wins in a season until 2018. So, 41 years old before I see a Kentucky team end a season with double-digit wins. But this 1977 squad did that, went 10-1, SEC champs. Only loss was at Baylor, uh, went to Penn State and beat them, the, you know, trash, thrash Georgia, LSU, Florida, Tennessee, you name it, they were beating them back then. Derek Ramsey, the Unquestioned leader of that team at quarterback went on to an NFL career, won a Super Bowl, but he was the dude that ran the show at quarterback. Now, there's a lot of people outside of Kentucky may sleep on Kentucky football, some of the talent that has come through at various different positions, or may wonder well, how is Derek Ramsey first team. In my opinion, the first team pick at quarterback, you know, we had Tim Couch, no more picking a draft. Tim is my age, next county over in Leslie County, went to Kentucky, uh, went on to be the number one draft pick. But look, Derek Ramsey, when you asked a trivia question, who was the last Kentucky quarterback to win an SEC championship? Well, it's Derek Ramsey. 
in 1970, he led Kentucky to an SEC championship. We as Kentucky fans now are hoping to see Kentucky get to Atlanta to win the SEC East, which just be the last year of divisions, but finish once the realignment happens, when Texas and Oklahoma come, finish top two in the SEC and still go to Atlanta for the SEC championship game. That's what we're wanting to see now. Well, Derek Ramsey did it in 1977, the last Kentucky quarterback to do it. So no disrespect to Tim Couch, Andre Woodson, Jerry Lorenzen, Mike Hartline, so on and so forth, Terry Wilson, Will Levis. No disrespect to any of those guys, but look, for my first team quarterback for the last 50 years, of Kentucky football history, Kroger Field, Commonwealth Stadium. I gotta put Derrick Ramsey there. He led him to an SEC championship. Been on this podcast, good people, kind enough to come on here and top it up with TB and myself as well. Uh, I think that was one even my dad and his buddy Tom called in too, because look, they saw those guys play. So that was one where where my pops jumped on the podcast too. Running back, Sonny Collins, who was on that 76 team. He wasn't on the 77 team, um, but was the all-time rushing leader for Kentucky. And the record stood for about 40 years, over 40 years, until Benny Snell finally surpassed him as the all-time rushing leader in Kentucky history. So, First team running back, Sonny Collins. My other running back, I go Mo Williams. Uh, he was there in the 90s doing his thing for the Cats, went on to play with the Vikings and the pros, had a good NFL career. Saw him drop that, might as well say, 300-yard game on South Carolina, ran for 299. Uh, then the receiving yards, the all-purpose yards were off the charts, but 299 on the ground, four touchdowns. that They beat South Carolina in Columbia. Mo Williams is my other running back alongside Sonny Collins. At wide receiver, I went with the top two on UK's all-time wide receiver list. A lot of guys to choose from, but to me it was it was just clear. You know, Craig Yeast and Keenan Burton. Craig Yeast was there with Tim Couch doing his thing with the air raid, uh, with Hal Mummy putting up a lot of points, helping Kentucky become respectable for Kind of the first time in my lifetime, you know, they were they were winning seven games in the in the nineties. Went to an Outback Bowl with Tim Couch, played Penn State on New Year's Day. That was the first time I'd ever seen that in my life as a Kentucky fan. Jumped out on Penn State, you know, fourteen nothing, fourteen to three. Ended up losing the game, but that was you know kind of kind of monumental to see Kentucky playing on New Year's Day, playing in a big bowl game. Wow, playing Penn State. Wow. That hadn't really happened uh, in my lifetime to that point. And I'm I'm a grown man. I'm like you know, early 20s at this point. Uh, tight end, Jacob Tammy, you know, unbelievable at Kentucky. Long NFL career. The NFL career, the pro career doesn't have a bearing on my selection, but I'm, I'm just mentioning it, you know, as I mentioned the persons that I, the people that I pick at each position. Center, Drake Jackson. Uh, we saw him in the Stoops era, you know, seize control of that position. You didn't have to worry about anything but Drake at center, making the calls, making the blocks, making accurate snaps. Uh, 
that gets taken for granted. We've seen some snap issues from under center, uh, seen some snaps go awry at different points in times, and they had to get that ironed out. And you know, when Drake was there during his entire time at Kentucky, you didn't have to worry about that. Um, we worry about the big, big blue wall now. The O-line is back to what we're used to seeing this coming season. Well, it all starts with Jagger Burton, who is moving to center for the first time. This coming Saturday will be his first game at center. We played guard. He's moved over. He's athletic. He's big. He's strong. He's right there from Lexington, a Kentucky kid, talented. But he doesn't have any games under his belt at center. Been doing great in practice. But once again, you got to see him do it. Uh, if I heard my guy Freddie Maggard saying that you want the routine to be routine, you don't think about the quarterback center exchange. You don't think about the snap going right to Leary in the shotgun. But Jagger Burton is that guy, and uh, pretty confident that he'll be able to handle it. But you got to see him do it against Ball State and EKU and, and Akron and, and all these teams. You know, moving on in SEC play. Uh, at guard, Dermani Dawson, all-time great. Uh, speaking of center, went on to the NFL, played for the Steelers, became one of the best centers ever, but did not play center at Kentucky. Uh, thinking, well, where's Dermani at? But no, he's not going to be on this list as a center. He's going to be on this list, first-team list, as a guard. Uh, Larry Warford, same thing. Did his thing. He's more in my era. Damani was before my time. Um, but Larry was was in during my time, went on and played with the Saints, had a long NFL career, and did his thing as well. So now we move to tackle. Uh, let me see if I can pull it up. I know I got it right here somewhere. Yeah. Warren Bryant, the late, great Warren Bryant, friend of this podcast, Warren Bryant, who was before my time back there. With Sonny Collins, Derek Ramsey, uh, and those guys, Frank Kersey brought in. Just an unbelievably kind gentleman. Just as nice and kind as he was, big and strong. And we enjoyed being able to talk with him. And sorry to hear that. We were sorry when he did pass away. But he is, look, man, he's a lot to make this list at tackle. Uh, and Darren Kennard, who just finished his career a couple years ago and was, went on to the Chiefs. Uh, same thing. You got those two at tackle. You going to do some protecting of some blind sides with Warren Bryant and Darren Kennard. Switching over to the defense side of the ball, Art Steele. Look, again, before my time, part of the 77 team, they were just stomping people out and on the defensive side, you know, he was he was doing his thing just like Derek Ramsey was on the offensive side. Um, Oliver Barnett on the D-line, his sack record just got eclipsed by Josh Allen. So that tells you what he did while he was at Kentucky. Dwayne Robertson, um, early 2000s, went to uh, the NFL as a top five draft pick coming from Kentucky. Not a lot of. You know, talent around him, not a lot of depth around him, but he did his thing. Uh, and the late, great Joey Couch, friend of this podcast as well, got him 
first team defensive lineman um, from right there in Paintsville, Kentucky kid. Linebacker, Josh Allen. We just saw him uh, complete his career. Now he's doing his thing with the Jacksonville Jaguars. The only offer he got was Kentucky and Monmouth. Freddie Maggard saw what nobody else could see in Josh Allen. Saw him being the best prospect in the class when Kentucky recruited him. Christian Nault um, played in the 80s. Just got uh, inducted into the Kentucky Athletics Hall of Fame. Uh, I think number two all-time in the SEC in tackles. So just ridiculous stats at Kentucky. Christian Nault overlooked, underrated, underappreciated. Finally kind of got his flowers when he I was inducted as a Hall of Fame. He's definitely got to make this list. But Dupree, think of the early years of the Stoops era. Think of that window of South Carolina. Think of Bud Dupree on the edge, rushing the passer. So those are my three linebackers, Josh Allen, Christian Alt, Bud Dupree. DB, Daryl Bishop is before my time, but he's still number one in interceptions. And he uh, tried his hand at basketball as well, kind of two-sport athlete. You go to bigbluehistory.net, and there you can see Daryl Bishop listed there on the basketball side as well. Um, Condolences because he just passed away as well. Dallas Owens, another DB before my time. But I'm I'm one that I got to give respect to some of the old-time, old-school dudes, even though I didn't see him play. They did their thing. They put in work, put up numbers, paved the way for the guys I watched, paved the way for the guys that are there now. Even though I'm not familiar with their games, I, I still want, you know, they stack up. What they did still carries weight with me. That's how I kind of compile my list. You know, the old guys, like in the NBA, you know, Oscar Robinson and Kareem and Jerry West, they still will hold up. Even you know, I grew up with, you know, Jordan and, you know, the tail end of bird and magic and, and all that. And now we on into you know LeBron and KD. I still lean back to the old players before I was alive. I still got to factor what they did in. Some maybe only watch who they've seen, but I, that's just the way I make this list. That's where I make pretty much all of my lists whenever it's something like this. You know, so Daryl Bishop and Dallas Owens are going to be on my list. Javard Lindley. DB during the Rich Brooks era kind of helped Kentucky come up to respectability again. We saw what they did with Tim Couch and Craig Yeast, How Mummy didn't have a lot of great defense on those teams with How Mummy. That's putting it mildly. Rich Brooks comes in as a defensive guy. Trevard Lindley, a ball hawking corner, went on to spend some time with the Hated Philadelphia Eagles, but uh, he did spend some time in the league as well. And he did his thing for UK as a DB, you know, back when Kentucky was you know, getting up to bowl games again, winning seven games, going to bowl games, that run of bowl games, New City Bowls and things like that. Kentucky was going to under Rich Brooks. Jafar Lindley was there. Uh, and Mike Edwards is my fourth DB. We thought he did with the Stoops era. He's already uh, helped Kentucky, you know, have – Consistent year after year after year of very, very good defenses. Got a Super Bowl ring already. So that is my four DBs. Darrell Bishop, Dallas Owens, Trevor Lindley, Mike Edwards. Kicker, Austin McGinnis. Um, look, you know, people talk pretty openly about him kind of 
changing the trajectory of Mark Stoops' tenure with that kick that he hit against Mississippi State. You know, Stoops started off rocky, hadn't made a bowl game, win two games, win five games, win five games in your first three years, and then you have a seven-win season in year four. That kick against Mississippi State to beat them in Lexington to keep that home streak against Mississippi State going because you know, they never win in Lexington. Kentucky hasn't won a start going forever. Kicks that field goal to beat them, I think 40 to 38 or something like that. They go on and win seven games. They lose that game. The fork in the road might be different and, and things might not be as they are now. Punter Max Duffy, Ray Guy Award winner, no said, you know. Forget the fact that he's Australian, Aussie rules, hilarious, great personality. That's all just gravy on top of what he did as a punter at Kentucky. Punt returner and kick returner, Derek Abney. Look up what he did. He put in work. He also did his work as a receiver as well, but uh, unbelievable special teams player, Derek Abney, back there with Jared Lorenzen in, in that era. Head coach, <clears throat> I went. Fran Kersey, because same reason I picked Derek Ramsey, who was the last quarterback the league could take to an SEC championship. Derek Ramsey, who was the last head coach to lead Kentucky to an SEC championship. Fran Kersey. Now that 77 team went 10 and 1, Fran Kersey was the coach. He assembled the talent for those teams. Now, it got a little rocky and janky in those following years, and some stuff happened. But he was the last coach to lead Kentucky to an SEC championship. So I've got Frank Kersey as my first team coach on the 50th anniversary Commonwealth Stadium Kroger Field team. So that's my, that's my first team. Did the second team and third team as well. Not gonna take you through all of those, but I, I put my first team out on Twitter and, and Facebook, and I appreciate Corey Price uh, for you know, including me and thinking of me and asking me to participate uh, in doing the ballot. It's tough, it's tricky, it's challenging on how you want to make your selections, but I enjoy it. So it was a lot of fun. Uh, I think he was on Alan Cutler's show today when he announced the uh, results of the first team. They had 61 members of the media and a couple uh, former players that participated as well. So you know, kind of a wide-ranging uh, group, and that was nice of him to, to include me, to let me be a part of it. So I appreciate that, Corey, and we'll reschedule and get you back on here with us uh, pretty soon, too. Oh. Um, have TB been here? We would have both done this together. We usually do this earlier in the summer. We don't usually do it right there at game week, but we never really did our game-by-game -game predictions. We've been doing that for several years. Um, and so we'll do it real quick. I do it myself and did it the other day on Believe in Kentucky. Uh, with Aaron Gershon and, and Jalen Whitlow. And I'll do it here right quick. We'll go through the schedule. And we got three non-conference games right out of the gate. Um, it's a home-heavy first half of the schedule. It's back-loaded. It's a little tough at the end. You only get one home game in November. 
and that's Alabama at home. But you uh, you got a chance to get off to a good start and and find yourself, get your offensive line back up to par in this first half of the season and, and kind of get some momentum going. You got Ball State, Eastern Kentucky, and Akron, uh, September 2nd, 9th, and 16th. Those are the first three home games. And expect Kentucky to be 3-0 and at the end of those. So, uh, you know, as far as Saturday, my score prediction, I'm going to say Kentucky 30, Ball State 9. 30 to 9. Kentucky should uh shouldn't have any trouble. We've seen some opening day games. We've seen some non-conference games against inferior opponents be closer than we wish they were or want them to be. But uh I think maybe this is the year that we can, you know, beat teams like we're supposed to beat them. So we'll see. I'm saying 30 to 9, Kentucky over Ball State. Uh, win over Ball State, win over EKU, win over Akron. Open up conference play in Nashville at Vanderbilt and their half completed stadium. Ray Davis is uh, going to go back to his previous school. He transferred to Kentucky from Vanderbilt. So Ray will be going back to Nashville to play his old team. He came up to Lexington last year as Vandy upset Kentucky and Ray ran for about 130 yards and was a problem. So one of four running backs to rush for a thousand yards in the SEC last year, Uh, Ray Davis, Judkins at Ole Miss and a couple other guys that are escaping my mind right now, but cool to have Ray as a thousand yard back in our backfield. Now going back to Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt struggled with Hawaii Kentucky should not struggle with Vanderbilt on the road. They avenged last year's loss to the Commodores. That was one of those two plays away from nine and three. You lose to Vanderbilt, you lose to Ole Miss. You finish up at seven and five where you could have been nine and three. So you're four and oh, you get Florida at home and the days of the long losing streak to Florida are over. There's a chance to now kind of control the series against Florida, continue to be better than Florida. Uh, one down there last year, uh, Kentucky should take care of them again at home. Don't expect Florida to be that good of a football team. And you keep it going. You uh, you go to 5-0 and and beat Florida. That means you're undefeated heading to Athens against Georgia, two-time defending champs. He's talked about with David Davis how how light their schedule is. Uh, could be one of the tougher home games Georgia has. We we know the scores by hardest Kentucky fans with Georgia look last year, sixteen to six at Kroger Field with the Rich Gangarello non-existent offense, uh, fourteen to three. I think the time before that at uh, Kroger Field they won a game twenty-one to nothing. See, Rod drops a touchdown. Georgia has not been blowing Kentucky out. It was 30 to 13 in Athens last year. Um, 2018 season, I think Georgia won 34 to 17. The Tennessee game, I said this last week on Believe in Kentucky, the Tennessee game last year in Knoxville was way uglier than 
any of these Georgia games have been the past five or six years. Kentucky can play with them, can compete with them, can they get over the hump and finally beat them. It's been a long time since Kentucky has beaten Georgia. I can't pick this year to be the year. Will they go down there and and not embarrass themselves? Yeah. Are there more victories? No. But I can see it kind of being a Georgia 17, Kentucky 10 kind of game. So that will be, the, in my opinion, the first loss of the season. They're 5-1 after playing the dogs. Um, get Missouri at home October 14th and been beating Missouri. You know, they 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 want to beat Kentucky really bad, but you know, I don't think it happened for them. Don't think they're going to be good. Reports are they're going to have a good defense, but I don't think Drinkwitz and them are ready to come to Lexington and, and get a win. And you, you, look, you can't let Georgia beat you twice. If, if they do lose to Georgia, you'll hear Mark Stoops say that. You can't can't let Georgia beat you twice. Can't be fooling around losing to Missouri after losing to Georgia. Takes you to the bye week, October 21st. And you get Tennessee after the bye week, October 28th. Now, the bye weeks haven't been kind to Kentucky. Sometimes the opponent after a bye week is <laughs> formidable. That plays in. Um, Kentucky's history against Tennessee is what it is. We've seen a few wins here, you know, 2011, 2017, 2020. Uh, the, the dreaded streak has been ended. Uh, talked about what an ugly game it was down there last year. Um, and it just pains me that I think yeah, Tennessee will find a way to man, break our hearts again. So that would mean that Kentucky would have two losses on the season now. That would have them six and two, eight games in. Um, and this is going into Kentucky's gauntlet. Now, coming off a of bye, playing Tennessee, the bye week helps, you know, as far as getting healthy and all that. Tennessee plays at Alabama the week before they play Kentucky. I like that for Kentucky. Tennessee's coming in beat up after playing Alabama with how physical they are. But I still just I still can't bring myself to pick Kentucky to beat Tennessee. But I can bring myself to have Kentucky end the streak and start for the following week, November the 4th, at Mississippi State. Haven't won in Starkville in forever. I think Randall Cobb was still down there. In Lexington, the last time Kentucky, yeah, last time Kentucky beat Mississippi State, I think it was that 14 13 game in Starkville with Randall Cobb. They don't win in Lexington, we don't win in Starkville, but I think that ends. And as far as that Mississippi State Tennessee back to back, I think they split it. You know, if had they beat Tennessee, I think they would lose to Mississippi State and Starkville again. I don't think they're gonna beat Tennessee as bad as it kills me to say that, but I think they will turn right around and beat Mississippi State to get to 7-2. and two. Sets up the final home game of the season, senior night. Uh, Alabama coming to town, and look, it's, I can't can't pick Kentucky to win that one. Love to be a, a replay of 1997 when Kentucky beats Alabama. That's <laughs> the last time Kentucky beat Alabama. Prior to that, hadn't beat them since 1922, so Twice in a hundred years. They don't play every year, but still, 
Kentucky is in better shape or be a better team than they have ever been in my lifetime when Alabama comes to Lexington. But mm, just can't – it's the elephant in the room. Can't see uh, a win there. So 7-3. and three. At South Carolina, I think that uh, that they they beat South Carolina and they beat Louisville. So it'll be nine and three to finish out the season. And look, that's that's solid. That's let's not act like nine and three happens a lot. So uh, we'll take that and we'll run with it and hope it plays out that way. And the three losses are, are teams that you know. If you beat who you're supposed to be, you can win nine, you lose three, and we'll see. So hopefully uh, I'm wrong on those other ones, but I'm picking them nine and three. And uh, we had another fun show, and appreciate y'all taking the time to listen. TB, feel better, get better. Uh, missed you tonight. Appreciate David Davis hopping on. Enjoyed every second of that. Got to get you back on as well. Got another fun show next week, and we got actual games to talk about as far as Kentucky is concerned. So for TB, we'll see you next week. David Davis, appreciate you. It's been another episode of Cast Talk Wednesday, courtesy of the BS3 Network. We'll see everybody next week. Y'all listen and watch. We'll have it out soon. Take care, everybody.